This episode is sponsored by So Delicious Dairy Free. There's an almond milk out there that granola is dying to spoon with. So Delicious Organic Almond Milk with Cashew. It has seven or fewer ingredients, and granola loves that it comes in three amazing flavors, vanilla, original, and unsweetened. One sip of this smooth, refreshing almond milk, and you'll realize nothing compares. Visit SoDeliciousDairyFree.com slash all the books to learn more. If granola had hands, he'd visit now. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 151, and today we are talking about books being released on March 27th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi there. I missed the big 150 last week, but that's okay. That's all right. We're going to have a special anniversary episode, we've decided. And uh, we were talking with the insiders about, like, maybe we'll just celebrate episode 151 instead of episode 150. But all we could come up with was, like, very teenage celebrations involving... Is it Bacardi 151? I can't even remember. The, I don't whatever, know. <laughs> there's some booze that's 151 and it's like a million proof. And I just have memories from high school of like soaking fruit in it and then eating the boozy fruit. <sighs> I do not recommend this course of action. They are not positive memories. So I'm glad we're going to celebrate our anniversary instead. We could do a drunk, you know, episode. But it would just we, be like, I love you, Rebecca, I love you so much, and I love I mean, so much. I would be lying if I hadn't done a couple of these tipsy in the past. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. usually record in the middle of the day, so it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, it doesn't work out. <laughs> um, we were discussing before the show, though, this is, this is going to be a self-care episode. Yeah, it is. You know, we've... We've both been just having a time lately. This is the winter of my discontent. I've been sick for like a month. I call it the 2018 flu. Oh, it's not as bad as 2016, or maybe it is, and we all have better coping skills now. Yeah. Uh, But things have just been rough. And I'm going to share with our All the Books family, because people understand what it's like when life gets in the way of reading. I had a big list of titles out today that I was looking forward to reading and getting into, but Bob and I found out a couple of weeks ago that Millie, who is our sweet little basset hound, who's almost 12, um, is not doing very well. And so we're keeping her comfortable. We're taking her on all of her greatest hits and last hurrahs, but my brain is consumed with a lot of dog things and I'm having a lot of feelings and I'm spending a lot of time just like floating around in my bathtub and I can't read heavy stuff. So I've been reading whatever I could keep my brain focused on and that has been great self-care but it has not included a lot of today's new releases. No, I'm sorry, boo-boo. Thank you. I know that our ATBs, you know, care about us. Please don't uh, send me your own sad stories about what happened to your dog. <laughs> um, yeah. But we appreciate all the nice thoughts. Instead, send us your questions and comments about the show that you want to yes. hear about or talk about for our anniversary episode. That would be Which great. Is... We're going to have Jen and Amanda, too. All four of us will be here. <gasps> 
You gave away the surprise. Oh, is it supposed to be I a don't surprise? Know. I thought so. Surprise! <laughs> I just figured they needed to know who would be answering the questions. So that is true, that yeah. That's a good well. point. All right, fine with your good points. This was the plan all along. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I myself have just, I, I read a bunch of backlist and have never recovered from that. I just am now reading, like, new releases, like, very closely to their release date, which never used to happen to me. Some of the, I mean, some I, I get them and I read them immediately and it's, like, months away. But, like, now I'm reading a lot of them, like, right the day before to find out um, if I want to read them. Uh, including my first one today, which is amazing, amazing. So glad I got to it. It's Emergency Contact by Mary H.K. Choi. It's so fantastic. I just, if you love John Green, if you love Rainbow Rowell, it's fantastic. And I wish her a ton of success with this because I love it. And so I guess I should tell you what it's about instead. Wouldn't it be funny if I just stopped there? I'm like, and now what do you got? (laughs) Um, But it's so good. Uh, It's about a young woman named Penny. She has just graduated from high school she lives with her mom in Texas. Her dad took off right before Penny was born, so she's always lived with her mom. Um, she's a very serious young lady. She has a boyfriend, um, but she's not really sure about the relationship. He's a year younger than her, so she's going to be going off to college, and she doesn't know where that relationship is going. Her mom is a straight-up hottie and dresses like a teenager and flirts and gets lots of attention, and Penny always feels like she has to be the serious one, and her mom is the one that gets to have all the fun all the time. Um, and so now she's leaving her mom and she's going off to the University of Austin. And when she gets there, she meets her roommate, Jude, who is like the nicest, friendliest, bubbliest woman that she's met. And she takes Penny to a coffee house where she meets Sam. Sam is this broody, handsome, tattooed baker. He's working at this coffee house. Uh, at one point, Jude's father and Sam's mother had been married for a very brief time, so Sam was Jude's uncle. And though the marriage didn't last very long, she still refers to him as Uncle Sam, and they're very close. Uh, And Penny's like, whoa, Sam is a hottie. And Sam has his own story, but first off, Jude is like, you know, none of my friends can date my Uncle Sam. Like, just don't even think about it. You know, he's very special to me. It would get weird. I don't want any of you near him. So, you know, Penny's like, okay, Sam's off limits. However... They do kind of exchange, they, well, not kind of, but they exchange phone numbers because, like, neither of them really knows anybody, Penny and Sam, and they're like, what if we need to, you know, contact somebody or something happens to Jude or whatever. Like, so they're, they're emergency contact, you know, like, they're reliable humans. And they start texting one another, and they have this really great texting relationship. And there's a lot going on in Sam's life. He has this ex-girlfriend who has just absolutely ruined him, and every time he starts to get over her... She shows up again with some kind of news or, you know, she just likes to toy with him. And he has given up drinking. His mother is an alcoholic and he felt that his drinking was getting out of control. So he's trying to remain sober. Um, He has all that going on. And he really digs this relationship that he has with Penny. He's like, she's younger, but, you know, she seems to really get him and she feels like he really gets her. So they're technically not breaking the rules because they're not seeing each other. You know, they're just texting. So they become very close, and they work through a lot of their problems with each other, and, and they rely on each other to get through this. But, you know, other things are, you know, are happening in their lives. Penny really wants to be a writer. Um, there's some parts in the book where she discusses, like, the story that she's working on, which is really, really incredible and cool. And the book is just so damn funny. It's so funny 
And there's a lot of serious stuff in this book, but it's also, it's fantastic. And it's really just about, like, not letting your trauma define you and not letting the things that happen to you in your life define, like, the bad things, like, define you. And it's got sort of, like, that, like, Fast Times at Ridgemont High realness. Like, that movie was, you know, well, first it was a book, but, you know, it had a lot of serious issues in it, as well as a lot of ridiculousness and raunchiness and whatever. And this is kind of like that. You know, there's a lot of silly stuff, but also there's a lot of very serious stuff. And I should say there is a trigger warning for rape. There is a situation in the book that is mentioned. Um, but it's dealt with, you know, it's it's not what defines the character. And it's it's just, it's such a fantastic book. How many times have I said that now? <laughs> I'm going to stop there because... So you like it a little bit is oh, what you're saying. I loved it! I loved it so much. There, there's a part where Penny's mom calls her a particular petunia, and I was like, I'm having that put on my headstone. <laughs> like, I just loved that. I just, oh, that I, would be a great tattoo. Yes, I'm a particular petunia. I adore this book. It's so fantastic. It's all the feels. So again, it's called Emergency Contact, and it's by Mary H.K. Choi. Excellent. Uh, well, one of my go-tos for self-care reading that never lets me down is romance. And my first pick this week arrived just in time. It showed up on my doorstep on like Friday or Saturday. And I was like, this is the thing that I need. It's Hurts to Love You, which is the third and final book in Alicia Rye's Forbidden Hearts trilogy. I think that we've talked about the other books in this trilogy yes. as well on the show because we love her. Um, and this one did not let me down either. This one is about Evangeline Chandler. She's known as Eve in the book. She is 24. She has just quit her job in a, like a fancy executive position. She's from a family that are very wealthy and very successful. And her father has these very high standards. And she's just figuring out how to let herself not feel like she has to be that good girl all the time. For about as long as she can remember, she has had a crush on Gabe Hunter. He is a good friend of their family's. He runs a tattoo shop. And in this book, they are going to the wedding of some of their relatives. And the wedding's being held at a mansion, like overlooking this lake on a beautiful piece of property in the woods. And wouldn't you know, the two of them end up there a couple of days before all of the other guests get there and some things happen. So it's forbidden because they've known each other basically their whole lives. There's this huge age difference. And so only recently in Eve's adulthood has it even been a thing that she could think about actually having happened between her and Gabe. He knows it's kind of forbidden because of those same family ties and also because he has a big secret that it could be damaging to him if she or any of her family members found out. And it's forbidden, so it's even steamier than it would otherwise be between these two beautiful people. And just a ton of fun to read. I love a contemporary romance that actually feels true to real life right now. And Alicia Rye's voice is just perfect for that. The way that the characters speak is really believable. The interactions between them are believable. She fleshes out their backstories. And these are not like 
there's a thing that happens in Regency romances, especially that's like, this woman was so tall and so blonde and had such a perfect body and it was just such a curse to her. Um, and Alicia Rye doesn't do that. Her characters, especially the women in these books, have, you know, real bodies. So they're not like, they don't all look like models. And the characters, their love interests, appreciate what these women's bodies look like in a variety of shapes and forms and flavors of sexual behavior. It's always hard to talk about romance books without like giving too much away or, you know, turning it R-rated. Um, but anyway, this is just as steamy as the other ones. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you have not read the other two in the series, you don't have to, to appreciate this one. They all stand on their own, but the characters are connected. And so you will know them more if you start at the beginning. But this was exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. Romance is just a great escape and something fun to read, and I really, really loved it. So it's Hurts to Love You by Alicia Rye. Fantastic. Yes. She's so great. She really is. It's just it's just like nice to read romance by a modern woman who understands what it is to be a modern woman and goes right to the heart of that. And she's cranking the books out. I, yes, like didn't she's the other one just come out like, like three or four months ago. Yeah, Crazy. I I think she's on pat like track to do more than two a year, which is bananas. Um, but Good I'm here for, us, for it. Though. Yeah, I will buy all the Alicia Rye books forever. <laughs> well, let me tell you about our first sponsor. Please do. It is all the women in my family sing. Women write the world. Essays on equality, justice, and freedom. Edited by Deborah Santana. All the Women in My Family Sing is a vital collection of prose and poetry by women of color with topics that range from the pressures of being the vice president of a Fortune 500 company to escaping the killing fields of Cambodia to the struggles inside immigration, identity, romance, and self-worth. The brief trenchant essays capture the aspirations and wisdom of these powerful women as they exercise autonomy, creativity, and dignity and build bridges to heal the brokenness in today's turbulent world. This anthology was created entirely by women of color, including the writing, editing, cover design, and cover art. And it includes the work of 69 authors. Uh, there's an essay wow. by America Ferreira. Uh, there's an essay by Borachista Kapoor, uh, Lalita Tademi. There's just so many amazing, amazing people that put work into this. And you can check it out online at All the Women in My Family Sing on Instagram and Facebook. That's their handle. And again, it is All the Women in My Family Sing by Deborah Santana, and we thank them for sponsoring today. Awesome. Yes. All right, lady, it's still you, so what's up next? It's still me! It's one of those days where I have to look at my notes. I'm like, what is next? I don't know. Uh, We're so here to talk about <laughs> books. Yes. So uh, my next pick is a book that I didn't get a chance to talk about on the show for whatever reason. It might have been one of those days where like, I had so many that... I just drew names because I couldn't decide because that happens to me sometimes. But it's so amazing, and it just won the National Book Critics Circles Award for Fiction. It is Improvement by Joan Silber. came out November 14th. Uh, but this is such a good book. It's this very slim, powerful novel. It is perfection. Uh, it starts off with a young mother named Raina. She lives in New York City. She has a four-year-old son named Oliver. Oliver's father is no longer involved in his life, so it's Raina and Oliver. And she uh, deals with her aunt Kiki. Kiki, when she was young, was this kind of wild woman who went off to Turkey and got married and had a store in Turkey and lived with her husband for a long time and 
No one ever saw her. They just heard about her adventure. She would write home. And then one day she came home and she was like, you know, that's it. I'm done. That was my adventure in Turkey. Marriage is over. She doesn't really talk about it, but she's a very wise woman. She loves Raina. Raina looks up to her and she tries to do good in Kiki's eyes. And But Raina has a boyfriend named Boyd. Uh, he is a bartender, but he is currently serving three months in Rikers uh, because he got caught up in one of those stop and frisk things with the cops. Like, he was racially profiled, basically, um, because he's African-American. And he had marijuana on him, so now he's doing this three-month stint in Rikers. And she's waiting for him to get out because he's, like, he's the good, a good boyfriend. Like, she hasn't dated a good man, and Boyd is a good man. And so, but when Boyd gets out, he gets mixed up with these, these old friends in this scheme to make lots of money. They want to drive to Virginia and bring cigarettes back, like in bulk, like cartons of cigarettes and sell them in the bodegas and, you know, sell them at like a, a better rate. And it's illegal what they're doing. Um, and so, uh, Raina, I'm trying to, I was like, what, what was her name? Raina doesn't really want to be a part of this but she wants to support Boyd and the guys start doing it and she definitely enjoys the money that he's making um, but then one day something happens and they need a driver and they ask Raina to do it and she realizes like she can't like she says she will but then at the last minute she backs out and that decision that change in their plans sets these events in motion that define the rest of the book um, something bad happens and the then you get to hear from the other characters or characters that are, like, on the other side of this event that has taken place and how this event has affected them. Um, it happened so early on in the book. Like, I, I don't think it's a secret, but I don't want to say it since it's not mentioned in the description, like, what happens. Um, but you get to meet a young mother who thinks that she's in love but then never hears from the man that she loves again. Um, and she's a nurse, and you hear about the, the person that she's taking care of. Uh, you get to hear from Kiki and Reina again and some of the friends that were affected by this event that took place. It's just, it's so stunning. I mean, like I said, it's pretty much perfect. Like, it's a perfect little book, and I just loved it to pieces, so I definitely wanted to bring it up again. So it is called Improvement, and it is by Joan Silber. All right. Uh, my next one is A Peak Way Ahead. Uh, this, I think I mentioned maybe on the last show that it had just come in the mail and I was really looking forward to reading it. And it turned out that I couldn't wait because one of the other things that I turn to for comfort reading and self-care is books about food. Uh, and this is a memoir called Killing It by Kamas Davis. She was let go from her career as a magazine journalist and decided that she was tired of like writing stories about things. And instead she wanted to, and, and like, instead of like reporting on the genuine article is the way that she talks about it. She wanted to experience and become the genuine article. Um, and her particular interest is in butchery. So she goes to France, to Gascony, and spends some time there um, with a woman who runs a cooking school, and she learns how to butcher animals in this very sort of traditional and authentic way that changes the way that she understands herself and what she wants from life, but also the way that she thinks about food and what it is to nourish yourself. And then she comes back home to Portland, Oregon, and is thinking about how different 
the way things are in the U.S., especially the way that meat is produced, um, how far it's come from those traditional roots that have respect for the animal and that make use of the animal's entire body and that really connect people to the sources of their food. We're so disconnected from it here in the U.S. So the book is like, if you liked Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin um, or Shop Class as Soulcraft, this is, I think, right up your alley because it's a meditation on this experience that she has, you know, really doing something with her hands, being engaged in her work rather than engaged in thinking about stuff all the time. Um, but it's also about the, well, it's inextricable. The The subject of this book is inextricable from the politics of the way that meat is produced in the country and like sort of dietary politics. Do you become a vegan? Do you become a vegetarian? What does it mean to be an ethical meat eater? And she wrestles with all of that for herself, but also because once she comes back from France, she creates something that she calls the Portland Meat Collective to educate people about meat production and butchery, to teach them how to butcher animals themselves, and really gets involved in uh, creating a movement movement to ground people more in awareness and connection to where our food comes from. Um, so it, it wrestles with that. It's not preachy at all. She understands that people have a variety of opinions about this, and this is her way into thinking about it. Um, but it's just wonderfully written. There are some really lovely sentences that, came, to me, it was like I was just so into her telling the story about this experience that she had that this really beautiful writing would like sort of surprise me. Like, oh, right. She's also a really excellent writer. Um, I really, really loved it. Um, just a wonderful book for seeing the world in a new way, doing that thing that memoirs are supposed to do for us, but also gave me a nice escape from, you know, the stuff inside my own head at the moment. So that is Killing It by Kamas Davis. It comes out July 24th. So just go ahead and put that on your lists for the summer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not you, since meat, meat is not your thing. You don't have to liberty. Okay, thank you. Um, so I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, but I just, I'm so excited about this book. Uh, I didn't get to read it before it came out, and I just got my hands on a copy, so I'm going to tell you about it, because I feel like a lot of people would be interested in it, and I haven't heard much about it um, anywhere else. It's called All Out, The No Longer Secret Stories of Queer Teens Throughout the Ages. It's edited by Sandra Mitchell. And I'm going to read you the inside plot because it sounds amazing. It says, Take a journey through time and genres and discover a past where queer figures live, love, and shape the world around them. 17 of the best young adult authors across the queer spectrum have come together to create a collection of beautifully written, diverse historical fiction for teens. From a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood set in war-torn 1870s Mexico featuring a transgender soldier, to two girls falling in love while mourning the death of Kurt Cobain, Forbidden love in a 16th century Spanish convent or an asexual girl discovering her identity amid the 1970s ruler disco scene, All Out tells a diverse range of stories across cultures, time periods, and identities, shedding light on an area of history often ignored or forgotten. It just sounds so fantastic, and like there are so many people who would want to read this. Um, I wanted to make a note of it on the show today. It includes Cody Keplinger, Melinda Lowe, uh, Mackenzie Lee, Robin Talley, and Marie... Mecklemore, Sean David Hutchinson. It just sounds fantastic, and I'm probably going to read it as soon as we're done recording. So, actually, nice. I have some work I have to turn into Rebecca, and then I'm going to read it. That's what, <laughs> that's what I meant, boss. Sorry. Got it. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, my next one this week came out back in February. I didn't get to talk about it on the show, um, but I've been dipping in and out of it for a couple of months now and have dipped back in over this past weekend. It's Feel Free Essays by Zadie Smith. This is a huge collection some of them is are previously unpublished pieces. Some of them are some, like her classic, well-known essays, if you're a person who pays attention to Zadie Smith essays. I hold the, I think it's an unpopular opinion of preferring Zadie Smith's essays and nonfiction over her fiction. But if that's the camp you're in, or if you're like a huge fan of her fiction and you want to see what else she can do, I invite you to pick up Feel Free. These are essays more on the journalistic side of things rather than like the personal essay, but you get Zadie Smith's thoughts on a lot of stuff. And so inevitably pieces of herself come through, but she writes about Facebook. She writes about libraries. She writes about politics. She's sort of meditating on like, how are we going to explain our grand failure to address global warming to future generations? But it somehow does not feel like total doom and gloom. Uh, it's really, I mean, it's Zadie Smith. So it's really smart. There is something fresh and interesting on just about every page or a new way of looking at something that you have thought you understood or have been thinking about forever. Um, I really, really love her and always find something new from picking up one of her books or one of her essays. So I'm not done with this. It's a big one, but I have enjoyed bouncing around through it, reading an essay here and an essay there. Um, and I can't recommend it enough. She's, I'm, again, she's Zadie Smith. Like it's going to be consistently good. I don't need to have read every word of this book to feel totally comfortable recommending it to y'all. Again, the book is called Feel Free. It came out February 6th. Do you want to tell us about our other sponsor? I do. I should have done that a minute ago and I just rolled right over it. That's all right. So our last sponsor this week is What the Night Sings by Vester Stamper. This is for fans of The Book Thief and The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. It is a lushly illustrated novel about a teen Holocaust survivor who is rebuilding her life. After she loses her family in the Nazi concentration camps, Gerda is finally liberated only to find herself completely alone. Without her papa, her music, or even her true identity, she must move past the task of surviving and on to living her life. In the displaced person's camp where she's staying, Gerda meets Lev, a fellow survivor she just might be falling for, and she must choose how to build a new future. This is a stunning debut from Vesper Stamper, who is the author and the illustrator. The beautiful and moving text is accompanied by gorgeous, gorgeous illustrations throughout. It makes the book a really special literary and artistic achievement. This is great, like I said, for anybody who loved The Book Thief, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. If you're interested in books about the World War II experience, graphic novels, or historical fiction, and again, in addition to diving into uh, the experience of the Holocaust, it explores themes of finding your true identity, dealing with the loss of a parent, and falling in love for the first time. So that is What the Night Sings by Vesper Stamper. It's out now. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, or you can find it wherever books are sold. Our sponsors are all about singing. They are. Lots of singing this week. If, it's too bad that the granola in the dairy-free thing doesn't sing. I was just going to say, if granola had a voice, it would sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sentient granola. <laughs> Save me, Liberty. <laughs> All right, my last pick is... Oh, I don't know when this came out. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I forgot to write it down. But I finally got a chance to read it, and I loved it. It's called Asymmetry by Lisa Halliday. It is told in three sections... Uh, the first section is about a young woman named Alice. She is an associate editor at a big publishing house, 
And she ends up in a relationship with a very famous writer named Ezra Blazer. He is much, much older than her. Um, very, He's won Pulitzers and like every prize that you can think of. And she's this, you know, wide-eyed, fresh-faced young woman in the publishing world. Um, it takes place in the early 21st century. And she's also an aspiring novelist. And they have a lot to talk about. His health is not very well. She takes care of him. Um, and they're, they really genuinely care for each other, and sometimes it becomes hard because sometimes she's like, I'm so young, and I'm spending my, you know, early 20s with this, this very elderly man, and sometimes he's like, she's so young, and she's spending her time with this very elderly man, but they have this, like, great relationship and this great friendship. Um, and the second section is about an Iraqi-American man who is being detained at Heathrow. He was born to Iraqi parents uh, in American airspace. He was born in a plane so over America, so he technically became an American that way. Fascinating. Yeah. And so he has a passport for America and because ha- uh, he's a resident and he's also a resident of Iraq. And he's flying from America to Kurdistan to see his brother, but he has to stop over at Heathrow and he is detained at Heathrow because, you know, he's Iraqi. And so, of course, he is. And they're, like, confused about him having two passports and all this stuff. And so he's telling, like, the story of his life and and what it's like now. You know, it's 2008. The war has been going on for a long time. Um, It's fascinating and very different from the first section. But at the same time, they kind of have some similar themes. Uh, And then the third section of the book is an interview. It's told, like, in interview format. I'm not going to tell you who it's with or what it's about because that would give away some of the first parts of the book. But it's fascinating. I loved how how she did this. Um, She has been called uh, the next Philip Roth, Lisa Halliday has, which means nothing to me. I've never read read Philip Roth. Um, So I, I can neither confirm nor deny but this is this is full on literary fiction. It 100% feels a bit pretentious, which I enjoyed. Like not pretentious like just for the sake of being pretentious, but like it's very smart and the people are very privileged in some parts of it and it's it's but the writing is just fantastic and I and I love the the sections and like how she put it together. You know, it's it's an amazing book. It's not going to appeal to everyone, but if you like literary fiction, this is peak it's fantastic. So again, it's called Asymmetry, and it's by Lisa Halliday. I'm going to be thinking about whether a woman wants to be the next Philip Roth for like yeah. a really long time. Yeah, I know. Like, I've never read Philip Roth, and I don't see myself reading <laughs> Philip Roth because I know he's kind of like, mm, but then mm. I can't, you know, I have a soft spot for John Updike, who is also, mm, so I can't really, you know, All say anything about that. It's, it's true. Yeah. So what do you oh. got? All right, my last pick this week. This is actually out today, but I have just started it because see the last 25 minutes of this show about what our brains have been doing lately. It is Odd Girl Out, My Extraordinary Autistic Life by Laura James. Uh, Laura James was in her 40s when she was diagnosed with autism. And that made so many things about her life experience make sense. Um, Growing up, she had struggled to cope in social situations that just didn't make sense to her. She felt like her brain was doing something totally different. Uh, But she grew up, she got married, she became a a successful journalist, she has four kids, and then she finds out, oh, this is how I'm 
different. Um, so her whole life wasn't defined by this difference. She's casting backwards to look at how autism, without her even knowing it, shaped her career and the way that she approaches motherhood and the way that she experiences her family relationships and friendships. And it's, I think it was so far, a great refreshing voice and one more voice in the chorus that is saying, first of all, people with autism, people who are neurodiverse are not a monolith, but also this, that this is not a diagnosis that means that your life is not going to be full and beautiful and satisfying. Um, even though she didn't know that she had the diagnosis, she had all of the things that go into being on the spectrum. She just didn't know it. Uh, and if you read Steve Silberman's book, Neurotribes, last year, a couple of years ago when it came out, um, one of the big arguments of that book that I go back to over and over is that we shouldn't look at, like, here is how being on the spectrum limits a person, but more like, <clears throat> here are the ways that people who are on the autism spectrum are different and can be celebrated and can make contributions that people who are who are neurotypical can't or are less likely to. And Laura James's story kind of stacks up into that camp as well. So she's looking at the benefits of neurodiversity. And it's, I think, just a great and important reminder, especially because of the way that autism gets spoken about in the media so frequently as being limiting, as being uh, all around a disability to someone's life. And that's just not the story that she's telling. It's not the experience that she's had. So it's nice to hear this voice come out. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. Again, that's Odd Girl Out, My Extraordinary Autistic Life by Laura James. Well, okay then. All right. We made it through some new books and a lot of things that we're reading just because they make us feel good. Yes. You know, while we're talking about self-care, can I do a non-book recommendation for a second? Yes, of course. I recently got hooked on a podcast about self-care called Forever 35. It's hosted by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer. Dory has just left a great career at BuzzFeed. She's doing all kinds of interesting things. And they are two friends like us hosting a podcast, talking about self-care. They talk a lot about like skincare and makeup routines, which if you know me at all, it's very surprising that I am obsessed with a podcast about skincare and makeup routines. Like I don't know much beyond wear a moisturizer that has SPF in it every day because I'm a ginger and I have to, um, but I can't stop listening to them talking about self-care routines. And every week they have a different guest on who talks about a self-care routine in their life. Like for one of them, it's yoga. For one of them, it's taking a bubble bath every night. Um, for some people, it's cooking. And it's just awesome hearing all these women talk about the things that they do to take care of themselves. Uh, and I just really love it. So if you're thinking about self-care, or I don't know, you like podcasts that are hosted by friends where they talk about a thing they have in common, I think you might dig it. Um, they didn't pay me anything to recommend this. I've just been listening to it nonstop, and it's really lovely. Um, so I can't remember where I read this a couple of weeks ago, but it was this little thing about, like, when did taking care of yourself stop becoming the norm? And, like, now you have to, like, set out time to take care of yourself, whereas... 2016. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Also, Dory is awesome. I met her last year at uh, Print in Portland when she came for oh, her yeah. novel, and she was so great. Yeah, her novel Startup was so fun. Yes. Um, so, yes, the Forever 35 podcast. I'm super into it. Um, all right. So those are new books, random self-care thoughts. What are you going to read now? Um, I'm just going to put on my Braggy McBraggerson hat right now. Uh, I'm going to stop being Hooter McBoob, and I'm going to be Braggy McBraggerson. And <laughs> I just read the new Naomi Novik, which is called Ooh. Spinning Silver, and I loved it. 
And now I'm going to read the new Nikki Drayden, which is called Temper. She wrote The Prey of Gods, and I'm so excited for this new one. It says, two brothers, seven vices, one demonic possession. Can this relationship survive? Perfect. So it says a blend of science fiction, horror, magic, and dark humor. So All I'm right. super psyched. What are you going to read? I'm going to read, I think, I just opened this in the mail a minute ago. Like, I'm flying by the seat of my pants with my reading life lately. But it's called Physical Disobedience, an Unruly Guide to Health and Stamina for the Modern Feminist. It's by Sarah Hayes Coomer. And uh, let's see, she's a personal trainer and a so-called diet abolitionist. And this is a manual for activism that starts with our most powerful asset, our bodies. So let's see, it says, even as a wave of renewed feminism swells, many women continue to starve, stuff, overwork, or neglect their bodies in pursuit of paper-thin ideals. Fitness has been co-opted by the beauty industry. We associate it with appearance when we should associate it with power. Physical disobedience asserts that denigrating our bodies is an act of submission to gender inequality. And when we strengthen ourselves and take broad command of our physicality, we build stamina for the work of activism, for protests, community service, and emotional resilience to face the news and stay engaged. So speaking of self-care... <laughs> and tw- and what 2016 hath wrought um that sounds great to me and i'm sure that i could use some of those tips so well we made it know. we did it we did um i'm sorry that you've had a rough week too but i'm glad that we're in this little boat together yes i'm sorry too you know it's okay we're sometimes we're sad and that's all right yes. we're here together so that is our show this week. Thank you, ATBs, for hanging out with us. Thank you to our sponsors, So Delicious Dairy Free. You can go to SoDeliciousDairyFree.com slash all the books to learn more. To All the Women in My Family Sing by Deborah Santana and What the Night Sings by Vesper Stamper. If you've got something to say to us, you can shoot us an email at allthebooks at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you like the show and you would take a minute to rate or review it on Apple Podcasts, that helps other book nerds find their way to us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading. <laughs>